Hello! Hey! And welcome to, uh, Caitlin Harrison. Won't shut up. Which is the name of our podcast and also a true fact about our lives. That's true. <laughs> so this is episode two, and, um, shocking everyone and disappointing everyone, it's not about Harry Potter. So you can go ahead and get that out your mind now. And I will struggle to because Harry Potter is always on my mind personally just if i'm being honest well i appreciate that about you thank you but this is actually part one of a two or three part series harrison have we decided well at least initially it's going to be two parts because only two parts are technically out right now granted of stephen king's most beloved and contested perhaps well i don't know if it's the most contested it's definitely problematic yes it's a movie called It. It's called It. So, what we're hoping to do is break this into two parts initially. So, today we're going to discuss the 1990... That's it. Period. 1990. 1990. Miniseries. Uh-huh. Which was, I think, I believe it was originally in three parts. You know, now that we've determined that it's like three-ish hours long, three parts kind of makes sense, but I'm not sure. Because Harrison, I don't want to out you, but I was one years old when this came out. I was four. Okay. And I remember watching this on television. Okay, so let's just, let's start this off by saying we're going to, we're going to try and, so this isn't a movie about literature, or this isn't a podcast about literature, obviously. In general. In general. But this is a mini-series. What? I'm sorry. She said it's funny because our first episode was about Harry Potter. That's true. I know. That's true. We can't help ourselves. We just love books. We're just a fucking... We're sorry. Just nerdy nerds. Um, I cuss a lot. Uh, I do too. So, Especially when I'm upset about Cedric Diggory. Remember that? Oh my God. I remember. I won't bring it up though. I'm done bringing up Harry Potter for this one episode. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Anyway... Uh, I'm going to try... So I've read the book. Kayla, you have not? I have not. Okay. Uh, I've read the book, and it's a, I really enjoy it. Um, I'm going to try not to compare it too much to the book and just talk about uh, the movie or the miniseries. Um, but that being said, it is a book, originally... <laughs> A very long one. A very long one. It's over a thousand pages, and I have it right here. I'm looking at it. It's thick. That is like causation and correlation of why I haven't read it. Yeah, it's a lot. It took me 42 hours. I listened to it on audiobook. It's 42 hours. It's a lot of. It's a lot of dedication. I love. I love podcasts, and even so, this was that because 42 hours is like. It's 42 podcasts. That's an inconceivable amount of time. So, you know, good for you here. I think we should all, as a human. Species, give Harrison a round of applause for listening. Thank you, I'm honored. I have to assume he's the only person who's ever successfully listened to the audiobook of it. That's simply not true. <laughs> um, but I think it's good that we cover it. It's, you know, it's a hot topic right now. It's a lot of people, it, uh, a lot of people are thinking about it because it just came out. It's yes. broken all sorts of records. I, um, for those of you who are listening who don't know, I'm a huge horror fan. Um, it is probably one of the few movies that really had an impact on my childhood in terms of being like terrified of something that I saw, other than The Shining, perhaps. So you um, saw this when you were young? I saw it when it aired. 
Okay, so I was way too young when to you watch were four. This. Yeah. What? Yes. I did not see this until I was an adult, and my boyfriend Michael showed it to me. Yeah, I saw this very young, and my parents. Um, I'm actually gonna say I probably didn't see it when I was four. I probably saw it when it was re-aired. So uh, forget the last thing that I just said. Well, I don't remember entirely. I do remember where I was living. I remember that I was very young, and I remember that I was very traumatized by the movie. Um, I could not shower alone for a very long time after watching because this movie. Because of what happens to poor Stan? Eddie. Oh, oh. Eddie Kasprak, yeah, in the shower scene. Oh, yeah, I forget about that. Yeah. Um, and then the sewer grate situation. So I grew up in kind of uh, very... Hmm. Uh, like a na- very neighborhoody sort of suburbs in uh, North Virginia. North Carolina. Oh. No, in Virginia. Mm. Um, but I grew up like very interested in Halloween, um, obsessed with scary stuff. Uh, and I, from a very young age, was obsessed with Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. So I think I had like a knack for camp pretty early on. Um but I would watch regularly on TV. This is like slightly off topic, but not really. I would watch Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Did you ever watch <gasps> I that? I did too. Oh my oh god! My god. So Me scary. and a friend of mine had a game with that. It's so good. Yeah. When I lived in Culpeper, we would Emily. We would uh, watch it, and we would have a little notepad out, mm-hmm. and we would we would like bet on which ones were real. And yes. Which ones were fake. Shout out to Wesley because the same thing happened to me. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I would walk home and I remember being very, uh, scared because there was a lot of sewer grates between his house and mine. Um, and I would get really freaked out. Uh, but that being said, it was pretty traumatic for me as a kid. So now to rewatch it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty weird. Uh, not only that, but given like the context of the book, I think that it's, um, it's a very, uh, it's a very disturbing movie and book. But um, in terms of the movie itself... You mean the miniseries? The miniseries, uh-huh. sorry. No, I just to, to specify it between the one that's out right now. Yes, of yes. course. Which will be the next episode. This is a two-parter. <gasps> Double down. Yay. Um, the mythos of this story takes place in a fictional town called Derry, Maine. And a entity... That takes the form of a clown known as Pennywise, terrorizes children and uh, eventually their adult forms. Forms? Yeah. Forms. Sure. Per- uh, yep. Forms. Forms. So I think there's a number of, there's like many layers of this story for me that I find interesting. Um, I like the idea that it's told from the perspective of children and it taps into childhood fears very well, I think. Um, I also think that. What is so compelling is that later on, as an adult, you get a whole new appreciation for it because the story takes place um, from an adult perspective and you really understand sort of like the traumas of adulthood. And um, in addition to that, I think what's so compelling about it is that it really tackles memory in an interesting way. And I think like it's a metaphor, certainly, for how we choose to or are forced to forget certain things that are traumatic as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of like what I appreciate most about the book, the movie, the miniseries. 
Um, but I think we should start off with maybe just the miniseries. Yes. So. Well, I would actually like to start out with a general statement about Stephen King, which is that I think of all the things there is to applaud him for, uh, he understands that feeling you have, um, not only as a child, but as an adult, that weird kind of non-mystical magic that comes from being in a group of friends and being young and having a bond that isn't necessarily something that makes any sense outside of the bond so Mm -hmm. he wrote the stand and he wrote you know um it and he's written a lot of other books where he shows very clearly that he understands that feeling of being young and being othered and being bonded with the other children who are others yes he gets that more than i think he gets anything else that's Mm -hmm. something that you know he's an expert at and that's very obvious in it yeah um both the miniseries and the movie and i would imagine the book yeah especially the new version which we'll talk about next time but Mm -hmm. especially the new version yes um So that being said, just like a little background, I watched this when I was very young. I didn't read the book until much later, but my mother, who is a big um, Stephen King fan, definitely read the book when I was younger, and I remember her saying she was so scared to finish it because she was so attached to one of the characters. Which one? Bev. Oh, granted. That she didn't want to finish it because she was so scared that person would die in the book, which Mm -hmm. I found to be really interesting because it's like, you know, um, I don't really think about characters that way in terms of like watching a movie or reading a book that I become so emotionally attached Um, with a few exceptions. um, But I just thought that was really interesting that, you know, it wasn't necessarily like the movie that scared her or like parts of the movie that were... um, disturbing or whatever it was like the fact that she connected with this character on the written page which is really cool i i will say i felt that way during the miniseries the first time i watched it and then this most recent time when we rewatched it where when mike gets hurt as an adult Mm -hmm. like i'm like oh my god is mike dead because i'm out yeah (laughs) i even harrison will tell you we just literally rewatch it and i was like does mike die i don't remember this yeah and spoiler alert no he doesn't yeah he does get hurt though for sure but i had by that... henry ba- by adult henry bowers yes um side note if you're listening to our podcast at this point first of all thank you second of all every episode will contain spoilers well especially so let's something... just go ahead and get that out of the way <laughs> we so this is our second episode but it's also another one where it's like okay so maybe you haven't seen the new it but we're gonna talk about well it. we're gonna talk about it and also this book and the original miniseries has been out long enough Oh, yeah. Just like oh how when we talked about Harry Potter, it's like, come on. Yeah, totally. Come on. I just want to give a little bit of warning. Well, I don't want anyone to be upset. I don't, want any, I don't want anyone to be upset. I don't Harrison. want anyone coming after me about my opinions <laughs> about do. Stephen King's It. I would like people to or come Andrew at me Michelle's. about these opinions, but I don't want them to come at me about spoilers because y'all should know. Yeah, true that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and agree. Yes. Um, so let's, let's get into the movie itself. Um, the miniseries. The miniseries. Sorry. sorry, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna keep doing that. So the miniseries um, has obviously took liberties from the book. A few things that are to be noted are that it is made for TV, so it is not um, gonna have any graphic depictions, obviously, um, of the book. Um, I feel like, 
And rewatching it again is helpful because I, I literally didn't watch this movie after I saw it for a very long time because I was so disturbed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think rewatching it really is kind of eye opening in terms of the successes and also the failures of the adaptation. Um, I think that it did a really good job of maybe better than the movie, honestly, of sticking to the book in certain parts, mm-hmm. um, especially in relationship to their the children portion of the book, the way they connect at the Barrens, um, and the sort of camaraderie of childhood. I think that's like a really important part of the book and the movie, um, and the miniseries, and. I had kind of forgotten how it's done. It's done pretty well in the miniseries, and I had kind of forgotten about that. But it's like, um, it's good to see. I think it definitely, uh, there's subtle homages in the film, which are a little more overt in the miniseries. Um, for example, like the fact that the kids are fearful of monsters that they saw in the 50s on screen. Um, which obviously wouldn't be as um, obvious in the film. Mm-hmm. So I know there was some talk that Freddy Krueger would appear or something because he was the movie that they went and saw in theaters. Oh, in granted. The, in, the, in the new film. Um, well, well, that's something interesting, and I can't speak for the book because, again, I haven't read it, but so theoretically this miniseries, um, the kids are... Um, when they're 11 or 12 and they're first encountering Pennywise the Clown, it's in the early 60s. Yes. That's the implication. Okay, so the, but when they come back together... I think it's like 57, maybe. I could be wrong. When they I come back it's... together and it's 27 years later, mm-hmm. uh, it is now the 80s. So as yes. adults, they're in the 80s. And one of the cool things that this reboot does, this new adaptation, is... When the kids first meet Pennywise, it's already the 80s. So you can assume when the next installment of the movie comes out, it's going to be present day. Which I think is a neat, um, you know, uh, update, kind of. Can you speak a little bit to, in the book, Mm -hmm. is it the timeline of the miniseries? With the, the, the late 50s, early 60s, to then the 80s? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess it's actually... I think it's supposed to be late 80s, early 90s. I did catch that in the miniseries they said 30 years later, which I think it's supposed to be 27 years. But Mm -hmm. even so, I think the... uh, If I'm not mistaken, the timeline is 57 and then 27 years later. Okay. Um, So there's obviously a lot of cool world building stuff but can I be honest with you about watching this for the first time as an adult the most exciting thing about it for me please can you guess what it was the most exciting thing for you as an adult about watching this with no context for it in general Tim Curry as Pennywise you know you would think because I do love Tim Curry wait okay is it John Ritter no it's not John Ritter because I wasn't a actual when I brought up like is that John Ritter I was actually surprising myself that I remembered who that was okay so no it's not that it's not it's not Tim Curry quick tie-in do you know what other film he was in John Ritter before he passed away a sitcom about not dating his daughter um maybe I don't know about that but I do know (laughs) one of my favorite franchises what I honestly don't know he's the 
Yes. Cop or deputy, I don't know, in oh. Bride of Chucky. Oh! <laughs> yeah. So, how much do you love Bride of Chucky? Because I love it a lot. Uh, not at all. Okay. But we'll get to that later. Love it. Uh, back um, to it. <laughs> no, okay, no. You're completely... Any any person, I think, maybe, who is um, at all... Okay, listen. No, it's obvious. Who do you think I'm excited about in that movie? Seth Green. It's Seth Green. Yeah, okay. That, it's Seth Green, man. Yeah, okay, go ahead. They should advertise... It, Stephen King's It, starring a young, adorable Seth Green. And I guarantee you would get 150% more little Kayla's interested. Freaking. Freaking. Seth Green is adorable in this film. It's true. I just, the hairstyles, I hate them so much that it's hard for me to be like, oh, that person's adorable. Because they're all terrible they are terrible that's true that is actually also that made me sound really superficial but i'm just no but it's true in fact you know (laughs) beverly's hair if we can talk about it for a minute i feel bad for her as a person that's a lot of that's a lot of hair that's a lot of frizz it did feel very 90s that's too much i like in the film adaptation that she shears all of her hair off does that happen in the book harrison Mm, that's a good question. Not that I recall. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not that I recall. So let's also talk. If we're talking about the structure of the miniseries, let's do it. I like I like the way that the miniseries does, where it starts with a so-called present day, present day from when the film was made, mm-hmm. um, with Mike, the original historian, um, keeping track of things that he thinks might be the work of Pennywise, Mm -hmm. and then the calls to all of his friends, and then their flashbacks, and then it kind of all... It's very 50-50, I think, consistently throughout the whole film. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that tactic as a storytelling method, personally. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm curious, again, and I keep bringing it back to the book, even though this is technically about the miniseries, but I am curious as to how that works out in the book. Um, it's very similar. I think in terms of like a storytelling device, I think that the miniseries is very on point with the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, in terms of like overt flashback, I think it's a little much in the miniseries. Um, but I very much appreciate the vision of the new film. So I'm not, um, adverse to the way that either one unfolds. Mm-hmm. I actually was really pleasantly surprised at how much of the book was... In the miniseries, mm-hmm. um, I think the, I think the, the biggest thing um, for me that mm-hmm. they overlook in both is this sort of um, metaphysical, otherworldly component, which involves the turtle. The turtle. The turtle. When you say the turtle. There what is do a, you mean? Because I love turtles. I, I'm aware. <laughs> then you'll love Stephen King's It. <laughs> <laughs> but what turtle? Like, what are you talking about? Um, okay, so spoiler alert, obviously. In the book, there is a major component that involves a otherworldly extraterrestrial com- uh, combative opponent to the entity known as It. What? So it is an extraterrestrial being that is crash landed on Earth forever ago. 
Um, Theoretically, during the set the 1700s, because that seems to be what or earlier. Mike, like, that's the just when it, that's research. just when it awoke. Yes. Um, and essentially, the turtle is a being mm-hmm. who are like. It's debatable whether or not its name is Maturin, but that's kind of what's set forth based on the Dark Tower series. Fuck. Because, you know, there's, like, so much crossover. No, I know. Stephen King mythos. Stephen King is very obsessed with his own world building, which is... You you get it, Stephen King, but continue, Harrison. Yes, so basically they leave that out of the miniseries entirely. There's not even, like, an homage to it. It sounds like complete nonsense. It does, but it really... And it's it... necessary. It's necessary for the explanation of Pennywise and well, it. Um... Because here's the thing. Okay. In the miniseries, yes. the resolution is shitty, right? What, in like, terms of what? In terms of the ending of the film. It's a giant CGI spider, which oh, looks yeah. not only looks terrible, yes. but from like a rational standpoint, makes no sense Especially within the context of the film. It looks so... Uh earthly it, it looks like it is a breed of spider that you would encounter it doesn't look like right something that has been deformed or mutated from what we think of as a spider or a cricket even right um, and its eyes are very human mm-hmm. humanoid like oh they're super which almost is emphasized in this film because they right. are so large and there's a lot of shots where i feel like the focus is on the puppet's eyes um, but, okay, so let me get back to this turtle thing, because I'm very interested in this. Um, Please do. So what you're saying is that Pennywise is an evil alien force that comes to Earth, and this turtle... I would say, uh, I'm hesitant to say alien. I'm hesitant to say alien, Extraterrestrial. An extraterrestrial. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. So meaning it doesn't maybe come from our own universe as we know it, but it comes no, from... No, it comes from a larger... Because the... Which is referenced as... Referred to as the macroverse. Right, because I understand that the Dark Tower, which I've not read and I've not seen the film, but my boyfriend Michael is is, is a pretty big fan mm-hmm. of the books. Um, I understand that there's parallel universes. Yes. So this is theoretically not just from a different planet in our universe, Pennywise, but could be from a parallel universe. Not from our own universe. Not from our own universe. Um, I guess in late... Like, the simplest way to break it down is that yes. Maturin the Turtle is yes. an is an entity that exists in the macroverse. Okay. And so does it. Okay. It is a natural enemy to the turtle. It, okay, is is this turtle, the turtle an actual turtle? Vomited up our universe. Okay, it was an accident. Are we talking so about So we all exist because of this turtle. It's really important to me to know if you mean like an actual turtle. Like does it have a shell? Does it have a cute little face? Um, does it have claw paws? It is described as a turtle. In, in Okay, because I understand, so one of the most compelling beginning myths or beginning stories is the Native American, and I say that generically because I'm not positive which particular regional tribes talked about turtle as the earth. Mm-hmm. But the idea of a turtle or turtle in general being... A being that carries the earth on its back. Is this yes, where Stephen King is very similar. Is? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a real turtle with a cute little face and cute little eyes and cute little claw paws. But it is otherworldly. Granted, but like all turtles are little baby angel heaven princesses. 
I'm yeah. not going to argue that. Okay, thank you. Because I would say as a turtle mom, mm-hmm. go forth. All turtles are precious angel baby heaven cuties. Well, this is very much a positive, supportive, albeit lazy uh-huh. entity. Okay. But like, if we can just really quickly, I have a baby turtle who is 30 six years old almost and she's adorable and if mm-hmm. you need to see any pictures of her you guys just let me know just let me know yeah email if you us. want to see pictures of my turtle email us at at the k-a-h-w-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-s-u-
interpret and um, involve in his own story. And those were things, you know, it's very self-referential in a way that, like, those go back to, like, his fears, and he's now playing out on those. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in the film, like, you see Bill's book referenced constantly. Mm -hmm. And even, like... You know, it goes without saying that it's very layered. Like, his, his methodology is very layered. He deals with um, his own experiences pretty blatantly in his books. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, even in terms of the miniseries, like, I think what shines through is the pieces of the book that are, like, he- like heavy-hitting moments, you know, like, where Bill is saying, like, he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists on he sees the ghost. Like, which is taken from another piece of literature. Mm-hmm. But even so, like, it shines through. It's, like, one of the, like, saving graces of the book. Like, it's it what it's what grounds the character in reality. Okay. In a way. Yes. Um, and it, it, he, he, he uses that to facilitate a tool to fight the entity. Mm-hmm. And I think it may be a metaphor for Stephen King, like, trying to fight his own personal demons. And that's actually a good segue until I think what I kind of perceive as the meaning of it as someone who has not read the books and who is not familiar very intimately with the macro universe mm-hmm. of Stephen King. In that, I wonder how it affects the the, the feeling that people have and the, and the metaphor that most people infer about Pennywise, which is that he is just an embodiment of fear. Does it cheapen it to say he's an extraterrestrial? Oh, I think that's a very hard thing to answer. Because I think it depends on like where your belief system lies within that... Um, realm of understanding like i mm-hmm. you know i i am someone who 100 percent believes in ghosts like i am as well my experiences have mm-hmm. my experiences growing up my experiences um with things that are unexplainable or are paranormal mm-hmm. to me are undeniable so it's hard for me to say like oh ghosts don't exist right like i mm-hmm. buy into that because i any, I'm, I'm still skeptical. That's not to say that I'm like 100% certain, but mm-hmm. I definitely know what I've experienced, and it's hard for me to just like say no, that didn't happen. When it comes to extraterrestrials, though, I feel like I'm almost on the other side of the fence where I'm like, sure that, or not other side of the fence, but it's almost like, sure, that could exist. I don't care about it because and I don't I buy into it. I have no personal frame of reference for right. it. Right. Especially when you're not talking about extraterrestrials in general but you're talking about a world that has been built by another human right so but i would say also that it's not so overt mm -hmm. like i me mentioning that wasn't necessarily like we should talk about the larger issue at hand it Mm -hmm. was more like there is a component to this that is not illustrated by the film yeah either film honestly the miniseries or the um Mm -hmm. there's a component to this that needs to be considered and i think honestly like it has a lot to be it has a lot to do with being afraid to illustrate that portion of the book for a TV audience. Okay, yeah. Because I feel like it's already, like, well, it's, as ridiculous so as the ending is. Yeah. Because the movie is, like, pretty successful in being, like, uh, eliciting, like, a sense of fear. Yes. Um, the ending of the movie is not, to me. The ending falls very flat. I it, am, like, a huge... I very much believe that Stephen King does not know how to end a book. 
I think that when it eventually boils down to it just being like, oh, well, it's good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that cheapens, mm-hmm. I think that cheapens the product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and this is coming strictly from my standpoint, which is that of like, well, both of us, you know, are people who are raised in like um, a very like Christian way of understanding things who have mm-hmm. gone on to be like devout atheists who... Mm-hmm reflect on our experiences or our uh exposure to cinema in that way yeah it's like, definitely oh well now i understand why this is being made this that's way that's an you know? unavoidable right. lens that we have yeah exactly so i think in terms of it um it's hard for me to deny the extraterrestrial storyline because it's so unavoidable in the book mm-hmm. um and i think what I do appreciate about the new film is that they make references to the turtle regularly, right? Like, what, what are they? Um, so the walkie-talkies. Yeah. When Georgie and Bill are communicating. Yeah. Um, the walkie-talkies say TRTL on the bottom for turtle. <gasps> That's one of the Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, when, they're, when the Losers Club is all in the water swimming, mm-hmm. and they say, something brushed my foot. Oh, it was a turtle. And then Ben Hanscom goes underwater, and it's like a cut to the next scene. Okay. Um, that's another element. And then when Georgie appears to Bill in the form of a ghost, it's actually it using him as a puppet. Granted. Um, he drops the Lego turtle and it explodes. These are all metaphors for the interaction with the turtle. The Mm -hmm. turtle is also what instructs the children Uh on how to defeat it. Okay. So the turtle and it have a cosmic sort of fight happening Uh since the beginning of time as the characters know it on earth. Yes. Um, and the turtle is the creator of the universe and it, because it is coming from a very childlike perspective and it identifies with children, that's how it uses children Mm -hmm. and confuses children and scares them. Um, because it's very much described in the book as though like it feeds on children because they're naive and, um, easily manipulated, uh, manipulated. Uh, and it can, in order to make them more scared, Mm -hmm. Or it benefits from them being more scared. Yes. Because that's more obvious in the film than it is in the miniseries. In the miniseries, you get Tim Curry's razor-sharp teeth. Yeah. But you don't. And, as and that's a shortcoming. Honestly, that's it, a shortcoming a of both the miniseries and the film. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So, I I still don't think, um, and for others who are maybe not specifically Stephen King fans, I do think that one of the reasons why the miniseries works and why it has stood the test of time, despite being not the greatest produced thing uh, there is, is that you can see Pennywise as literally just an embodiment of fears. They defeat it by saying, you know, a fear is a construct. A fear is just part of my imagination, and I can defeat you with imagination, like with... Yes. Eddie and his um and his inhaler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it he says this is battery acid and if I believe it then it is and that yeah. affects him. Which I feel like is more clear in the miniseries than it is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty powerful because that's true for a lot of metaphysical things that a mm-hmm. lot of it has to do with you believing in it and buying into it um and how you interact with it with your understanding of it. So I enjoy that part of the mini series, mm-hmm. even though the ending is so goofy. 
Yeah. With that, I honestly can't even feel like, I don't feel like I can call it a spider. I feel like it's a spider cricket. And those things are disgusting. But I would not be afraid of it. And I would not expect a character like Eddie, who you really like by the end, to be defeated by it. Yeah. I love him in the new movie so much. He's hilarious. And I love him in the miniseries because you really feel for him. Um, and we had talked a little bit about how he's coded as queer. Right, yeah. And that makes me like him even more because as a queer person myself and, you know, you really want that representation and he's just so, in the miniseries, it's very, I don't even know if it's coded. It's just blatant. And the only curtain mm-hmm. is anyone saying we we don't actually want a gay character in this book or this in this miniseries. So, you know, I'll be curious to see how. Or if they deal with that at all in the movie. Well, they also cut out so much of the... Well, I mean... So much of the miniseries cuts out uh, the pegs that get put into place to become a catalyst for the adults returning. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a very disturbing... set of a series of events that happens with queer characters right in the beginning and it is very much emphasized that they're being hunted by mm-hmm. um not even a like a ghost or like whatever like some sort of metaphysical mm-hmm. character they're being hunted by like real people which yeah. o- obviously like history goes to show is way more scary than anything that's imaginary um and i think they do a really good job of that you know they're hunted by these rednecks who and they're murdered and like they become a martyr for the town and like in a way that I feel like is really powerful in the book and I really hope they can capitalize on in the movie because um, it's really like a heart-wrenching intro like intro to Mm -hmm. how the adults come back yeah because the whole town wants to cover it up yeah of course and as as an entity doing Mm -hmm. that or just as the town doing that like it doesn't really make a difference because Mm -hmm. in reality like it's gonna happen regardless can we talk a little bit about, um, and I, I realize I think we might be over for how long we wanted this to be, but I do want to quickly talk about um, any sort of uh, parallel that I personally feel to the, um, to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and Freddy Krueger as this idea of these, this is an entity that we don't quite understand, and really for the kids, the biggest hurdle is that their parents don't believe them. Right. And um, I'm actually wondering, so he wrote this in 81, he started writing this in 81, he finished writing it in 85, when were the Freddy Krueger movies coming out? Mm, let me look it up really quick. Okay. But, I... because, but also, just in the meantime, if you are not familiar with the franchise, you know, Freddy Krueger is, um, the mythos is that I think it was he, 84. Let me see. He is a, yep. someone who abused children and he comes back mostly, it's kind of implied, because the parents tried to cover it up and that in a way made him stronger. And yeah. then later when the, the children of the people who defeated him in the first place um, are again being attacked by him instead of the parents being like, you know, we're there and we're helping you and we're fighting you and we understand and we believe you, they are just useless. And it becomes the kids against, you know, the child abuser all over again. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, I see that in it, in the idea that, so there's blood that the parents can't see. There's uh, the balloon motif um, Mm -hmm. that the parents can't see. And also even with um, Richie's uh, scene 
when he's in the, the basement of the school. Oh. In the in the new film, is that Richie who's in the? No, that's Ben in the new film. That's Ben. But in well, the mini story with Ben, which is super weird, and we'll talk about that more. Yeah. I assume in the next part. But uh, Richie being in the boiler room of the school, mm-hmm. which for me was like a very Nightmare on Elm Street thing to do. So yeah. you just looked it up, and Nightmare on Elm Street on Elm Street was 1984. Yeah. So this appears to be a coincidence. Yeah. But also maybe just something where people growing up in this time recognized something being a trauma but that older people not understanding it. Yeah. So that's Which I think still rings true. I yeah. mean like not to generalize, but the idea that like baby boomers um make sort of like generalizations about millennials. Which yes they do. Um, and them not being able to understand that, like, their actions had an impact on younger generations. Which maybe is just, like, a result of not wanting to be held accountable for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's a perpetual horrible cycle. Right. Where when someday if we are raising children, we are going to be... Parents just don't understand. We just don't understand. And <laughs> we'll be perpetuating that same cycle. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Should we end this on such a scary note? I mean, I guess so. Because we're talking about it, so it makes sense. Existential dread. Are we going to ruin our children the same way that our parents ruined us, as shown in Nightmare on Elm Street and in It? Stay tuned and find out. Stay tuned and find out for the rest of our lives. Which is just Annie Moot Shetty's It. And so does that mean by part two we're both going to have children? No. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, now we need to talk about our rating. For the miniseries. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. out of six? Six. Six severed heads. Uh Uh-huh. I have to give the miniseries two. I am also going to give the miniseries two Kaylas out of six Kaylas. Yes. Yes. My reason mainly being um, that the production value was pretty low. I mean, granted, it's a TV series, so I feel like maybe we can't judge it as harshly, but at the same time, I feel like, I don't know. The ending is so bad that I think that it kind of hinders me from being able to appreciate the rest of the. I gave it two stars because I did not like it nearly as much this time than I did the first time Michael showed it to me, and I think it's because... What I mentioned about Stephen King kind of understanding that, like, magic of adolescence and having really close friends, like, only gets you so far in this film. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and the ending is so ridiculous that it's sort of hard to even keep the thread of the narrative. So I would say two stars. Two stars because, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's a important part of the horror lexicon, but... Not very good upon rewatching. Correct. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. All right. Like us and rate us and subscribe yeah. on iTunes. <laughs> Thank you for listening Spooches. to Spooches. Kayla and Harrison. Won't shut up.